What happens to us after we die? Do we cease to exist? Or do we live on? This may be the biggest question that mankind has ever asked, as well as what this podcast is about. In this show, we will examine past life memories, speak with professional hypnotherapists, astral projection practitioners, psychics, and much more. All in an attempt to decipher this riddle. So welcome to the puzzle. Welcome to the regression session. back to the regression session my name is ian and this week we're going to be hearing from richard richard is a reiki practitioner and in this episode we talk about all sorts of things about energy healing and reiki we talk about like the legality of it we talk about the effectiveness of it we talk about whether or not it's actually just a placebo effect and whether or not it actually matters so i'm excited for you to hear this episode If you want to come onto the podcast to share your knowledge on any metaphysical topic or your past life experiences, shoot me an email. My email is theregressionsession at gmail.com. And honestly, I really love hearing from you guys. It keeps me going. It it makes me feel like it's all worth it to hear from you. So even if you just want to send me an email, let me know like, hey, I, I enjoy the show. Hey, I just wanted to let you know I've been listening. I really would appreciate it. Also, head on over to my Facebook or my Twitter. You can get some additional bonus content there. I also post show updates and things like that. It's the the Regression Session podcast on Facebook and at Regression Session. And there's links to those in all the descriptions of all my episodes. And here's my interview with Richard. Hey, Richard. Thanks for coming on to the show. You're most welcome. If you don't mind, just for... Like I said before, just for my audience sake, just introducing yourself a little bit, telling us a little bit about your background, anything you're comfortable sharing to lead up to like why we're actually talking. Well, my name is Richard. I am a Reiki master in Northern Nevada. I'm in my thirties. I'm a disabled MS patient. And what led me to do Reiki was my multiple sclerosis diagnosis actually. And, uh, I was pretty sick to where I couldn't get out of bed and they didn't have much to offer me. And I found Reiki and it helped a lot, but with the prices of it, it wasn't something I could afford. So I started learning it. And uh, I, at this point, have quite a few modalities I've been attuned to. It helps me quite a bit. I've been in a flare for a while now to where definitely can't, you know, go out there and go to work like normal, but with the rate game, with the positivity and everything else, I can at least get up out of bed and take care of my own house. So it's, it's been quite a journey. I know the rate game helped a lot. It helps a lot to retune. And there's a lot of other things along the way that have helped and that seem to catch my attention with the metaphysical and healing modalities in general. So if you, if you don't mind just telling, telling us what is Reiki? Well, to me, um, it is universal life force. It's the healing life force that flows through all creation. I believe that Makawa Yasui was one of the first individuals to channel it and share it with the public. It seems like a lot of what he learned were ancient monastery healing techniques, and he took away to share that with people who didn't understand anything about energy healing. So a way to take something that you would teach a monk who grew up since almost birth in a monastery and be able to show that to a random person on the street who sells, you know, anything it might be or does anything and a way to bring that divine higher healing ability down to the general people. Okay. Gotcha. That, that's, that's interesting. So, so is there any like evidence that 
that shows that it actually there's like a physical energy change or is it more like a placebo effect would you say from what i've seen it definitely operates off of both i know that on an infrared level you can see the energy exchanges you can as well as in the studies i've seen done from a more scientific aspect it's very similar to a grounding or to a pet therapy where um there's definitely an energy exchange there, but it does seem like a lot of what truly helps the patient is that, like you said, the placebo effect, the idea that they're going to heal from something the same way that, you know, people, they know that going to see this horse or going to take this pill is going to make their condition better. It definitely does help. And it's based a lot off of, of course, the placebo effect of deciding that you're going to heal. Even Reiki itself as a modality merely activates an individual's own healing ability within themselves. Yeah, and the placebo effect is it's really fascinating because I was talking to another guy on my show about this, and it's it's it actually works like the placebo effect. Doctors use it a lot more than people think that they do. They do. Actually. You'd be surprised how often what they're handing you is basically just an enzyme culture with a little bit of food dye. <laughs> Yeah. And, and people don't even really realize it. Like, I remember this one time I had an infection in a really specific part of my body and the doctor, he gave me this pill and he's like, Oh, this pill is designed to specifically target that one specific area in your body. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, yeah, that's awesome. The, the miracles of modern medicine. But like later in my life, I was like, Oh yeah, I don't think that's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the more interesting concepts. Uh, I always thought it was a little vicious how they figure it out is by giving people fake medicine, but it really does go to show the power of belief decides how our bodies interact with things. Yeah, and, and that leads me to the question is like, what does that mean? You know, like what if, if our minds can can heal us, I heard this story and I told the same story to the last guy I talked to this about. There was a dude with like stage four terminal cancer and he believed with everything he had that this one pill was going to save him and cure his cancer. He got the pill and his stage four terminal cancer went into remission. And then he found out later that the pill didn't work. And as soon as he found that out, his cancer came back and he died. But the fact is, is that his terminal illness went into remission. And that begs the question, like, if we like, what does it mean? You know, like, why, why can we heal ourselves if we believe it? And how can we tap into it? I don't know. I have so many questions about it. (laughs) For me, it's something I felt it ties back into a binary code that's been shared a lot recently. It's 0010110, which from... An energetic standpoint means everything is connected, but from a very scientific standpoint, it means that nothing is actually solid. All matter is technically mostly empty space being held together with sheer intention of will. And so the very fabric of our existence from a very realistic, measurable scientific standpoint is empty space and molecules held together by a decision of something that we haven't got to just yet. Uh, And, you know, I I've seen some studies and and this is like legit. You you even learn about this in like, what, like seventh grade science here in the U S anyway, is that different particles behave differently depending on whether or not they're being observed, which is crazy. Yeah. Or depending on how you're observing it, the plant effect or the water effect of where they take the glass of water and say different things to it and look under it under a microscope. And you can see how discombobulated and upset it gets when you speak hateful things or how harmonious it gets when you speak positive things. So not only is it all very tangent, very able to be shifted quickly, it seems incredibly dependent upon whether it's a positive or negative focus. So just like how, you know, many things when they're not being observed are quite different in their state, as if it's to show that our intention changes it, whether you're observing it in a positive or negative fashion seems to also have a very measurable scientific variable on the end result of what something looks like on a molecular scale. 
it's hard to tell from our third dimensional perspective because from just looking at it, it looks about the same. And I think that's part of how we've all kind of been lulled into believing that what we say and how we view things isn't important because there isn't a quick enough visible change. But with some of our new technology, we can look at it on a much smaller scale and we can see that there is a change beginning to enact. It just takes a much bigger portion of time to physically manifest. Yeah. And and so like leading all up to this one statement is it actually works though. Yeah. Like the whole, the whole thing, the whole like Reiki thing, the whole past life regression thing, the whole chakra healing thing, it actually works regardless of whether or not it's a placebo or whether or not there's energetic. It doesn't matter because it's working. Right. Right. And I've had people, um, I have people come to me who are incredibly skeptical. I've had people very recently um, come to me and say, hey, I don't really believe in this. I don't know if it's going to do anything or not, but could you help? And I'll go ahead and I'll try to help. But realistically, I feel a very dull connection there because they're truly not being receptive to it. They're doing it to just go tell someone else, hey, I tried it. It didn't work. And I've had people instantly after the healing straight up message me and go, you know, I didn't really feel like that did anything, but you know, thanks for trying. You, you have a good one. And I really hope those people do heal. It's residual, but at the same time, it's, it's like many of the medical treatments. If you approach something telling yourself it's just not going to work, there's a chance it won't. But for the same respect, as you said, it really does work for the people who believe it, for the people who like what I was that are looking for a way to heal when modern medicine says, you're screwed, just go lay down and wait. It, it provides an ability to have hope, have healing, and have something to move forward with. And I know not just me, but several other practitioners that I know have been starting to offer their help at you know, free or very reduced prices. I know for me, I technically don't charge at all anymore. I am a completely free operation, uh, donation only for entertainment purposes only, you know, but um, I've seen more and more of that, especially now that Reiki has started to become a legitimate medical practice. And there are medical colleges who are now teaching Reiki and going to be handing out certificates in Reiki, these college degrees. It's changed what Reiki practitioners like me are able to even legally offer because Without an actual degree, without a, being a practitioner that someone can take to their healthcare insurance, it puts you in a different category of an entertainment-only variety. And it's it's hard because as practitioners, everyone wanted for a long time for the Reiki to become more legitimate. And now it's becoming legitimate. Colleges are teaching it. They're allowing it in hospitals as a healing modality, somewhat like they do with the animal therapy. And... Um, it makes it to where it's very, um, I guess you would say, monetized now to where it was already expensive enough before. Now they're moving it into a healthcare insurance division where people just won't be able to afford it without the healthcare insurance on top of having money. And it, it's, I'm pleased to see those of us in the community that have been deciding to just go ahead and share it at this point rather than turn off our practices and say, hey, since I don't have the college degree, I just won't do it. That that's really, really interesting. I, and I've noticed like the whole, and that almost goes against the whole entire concept of it too. Like, like, Oh, we're going to make a load of money off of this. Uh, but, in, and if you're rich, you can come get this, this uh, spiritual healing, uh, but you've got to pay me, pay me all your life savings to do it. It goes completely against the whole entire concept of what it's actually about. In a lot of ways. Yeah. I think it's hard for people though, because you know, Makawa Yasui himself, once he got it down, he charged a decent bit and, you know, he used that to fund the monastery where he worked as well as to help his local community. But it ever since has started a thing of the value that people believe it's worth. I know Myself, when I started getting attuned to Reiki, some of the practitioners I worked with typically asked thousands of dollars out of people for these attunements. And, you know, I had it down to hundreds, mainly just because of my story. But at the end of the day, it's part of why the healthcare industry has been able to move in on it, that it already was something 
that was being heavily monetized. And it's hard for Reiki practitioners because when what you do with your life is this energy work, it is this helping people, you still have a life. You still need shoes. Your kids still need clothes. You know, your home still needs your roof rebuilt, yada, yada, yada. And so it gets really hard to not monetize it and not want to, you know, be compensated for your time. And it turns it into a very weird place that as it becomes mainstream, I'm hoping develops into something more on just a peer to peer level, that it's something that people are taught kind of like, you know, people are taught how to stitch a hole in their pants, that humans are just taught as a species how to heal ourselves. And it just becomes something like brushing your teeth that everyone's just basically taught from a young age. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, man. And, and for anybody listening, don't get me wrong. I, I think that people should charge for it. You know, if, if they got to make a living, because yeah. I always I always say this, we're we're spiritual beings having a physical experience right so you still need all that physical stuff you got to buy food you got to pay for gas you got to have insurance you got to pay for your house you got to pay for all this all this stuff that you need in your life it's not free and it's never going to be free unfortunately so i definitely think people should charge and i have run into the same kind of a i want i'll call it a dilemma with my um hypnotherapy i've been doing a lot of of free work for people because I feel like people need it. I, I look at it as like spiritual or sorry, sacred work. Yeah. You're just um, called to do it. Exactly. But at the same time, it's like, I I'm spending so much time doing it. And you have and, a life to live. Yeah. yeah I got, I, my wife's pregnant. I got, I got a toddler. I got a house that I got to pay for all that stuff, man. You know? So if, if I want to keep doing it realistically, I'm going to have to start charging for it. Does that mean I have to charge an arm and a leg and a foot to do it? No, but you know, there has to be that balance where you're affordable or else you're never going to get clients. It's, it's, it's just a big thing. Like, like you were saying, like it, there's a lot that goes into it with our physical world. Oh, well, you know, especially nowadays, the insurances on metaphysical businesses are insanity. And that's one of the things that drove me to have to change how I did my work is to be able to afford the legality side of it being covered you have to charge so much that it really does narrow down who has it available because your normal people working nine to five just don't have an extra, you know, several hundred dollars laying around each week to do their energy work. So with Reiki, is it, would you, is it like supposed to be like a weekly thing then? Um, not necessarily. I know when I say weekly, I suppose I'm thinking more of your average metaphysical practitioner that, you know, you have someone help you balance your chakras one week, you know, next week you have your Reiki, the next week you have your personal regression, the week after that you have your cleansing. Uh, I know a lot of people have a lot of different work they do. I'm lucky to be in a community where we have the Burning Man up just north of us every year. So there's a lot of practitioners here. A lot of people are real big into it. We have a very thriving community with metaphysical workers around here, but it mostly comprises of us, you know, doing work for each other with, you know, the occasional person once or twice a day that would come in to actually fund the company. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, I live in the opposite kind of environment because I live in Utah. There's I'm a bunch sure, of Mormons yeah. around. <laughs> so you're probably considered like bad juju or something. I wouldn't guess. Man. <laughs> yeah, uh, basically. I've, I've literally had people come at me and be like, cause I, I, cause I used to like talk about how I'm a past life regression hypnos hypnotist. Um, but I don't call myself that anymore for various reasons. But I had, I had a couple of people be like, reincarnation's not real. And it's a, a lie from the devil. And you're at work doing Satan. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't say it without laughing, but you're doing Satan's work. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So helping people is Satan's work now. Okay. Uh -huh. Sign me up, I guess. It all reminds me of when the church first started some of these slurs, at least the Western church with Catholicism. It was, there were gypsy healers that were going around and giving people uh, purple carrots and other things of this nature with, you know, energy healing. 
and it was taking away from the business that church was getting for healing. And so they had the Pope declare all these different things, witchcraft and illegal. And if you look at the original Catholic denomination of what was good and what was bad, most of this wasn't on there. The, the tarot, the energy healing, the past lives, the diet and planning, the chakra planning, the yoga, that all became illegal during basically their great budget crisis where they just weren't making the money they wanted. So they made these things illegal. So that way they could push it that, oh, that's the devil's work. That's against the church. You have to come to us and we pick. But then you go to them and they light candles and they light incense and they have a guy in a magic robe chant words at you. And you can't tell me that's not the same thing as metaphysical healing. It's just they're labeling it as this is the only proper way. And I know I have practitioners get called Satanists for burning sage, but yet the church has their incense burns that they do all the time. I've never grasped the difference there. I know the past life is something they definitely try to hide altogether, but they also do say that certain people are, quote, ticked by God for certain paths. Another way to put that would be is that our past lives are determining where we get sorted into and that this is God's will since God is everything. Yeah, well, it's the way I look at it, and I look at pretty much all organized religion this way, is that they just kind of cherry pick whatever works for them at the moment. Oh, yeah. And if, if you look at that from an outside perspective, like for any for any actual like religious people listening to this, if you if you take a step outside of it, it takes a lot of courage to do this, especially if you've grown up in a religion or being religious. But if you can just take a step, like just one step out and just look at it from like the outside for a second, you can you can start to see these patterns where they're like you're like, mm, uh, OK, you know, this doesn't really seem <laughs> this is very uh, well, here's how I always put it. Whenever there's money involved, there's going to be fuckery. Yeah. Money, control, power, all of it. I, I was raised Catholic, but these days I'm what's called, I guess, an omniist that, you know, I believe that there's nuggets of truth and lies in every single religion. And, you know, one thing all religions had in common was the occasional guy who tried to tell everyone we should stop doing this shit and just be nice to each other. And so, you know, if you pick those little tidbits out where someone from it said hey let's stop this and just all you know work together it, it makes sense the, the whole world's been trying for thousands of years to just drop the division and advance our species and we've been sitting here bickering over you know whose imaginary friends are the most powerful and i'm not saying whether they're real or not they might very well be real somewhere but they're also not physically here. You know, there's a lot of layers of energy where these creatures might reside. And if it is true that you're, you know, praying to some omnipotent God in different reality, how do you know that isn't just a traveler who stopped in our reality once and, you know, people thought they did cool shit, so you started worshiping them. And, you know, they're sitting back in their reality doing God knows what, wondering why we keep calling at them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, there was this, uh, there's this theory. I, I, it was like a, I, I can't remember. I need to find out. I need to like sit down one day and do some research. I've referenced this a couple of times, but there was this culture of some kind that, that believed that the, the God that Christians and, um, the, you know, Judaism and, um, Islam, if, if you break all those down, fundamentally, they're worshiping the same God, but they look at him in different ways, right? Yeah. Um, is at least the way I look at it. Oh, no, I know that a lot of sense. The geocentric Abrahamic God that gets split up. Most Abrahamic and Islamic religions do seem to have the same structure. They just mm -hmm. are arguing about whose virgin is more proper and if yep. there was some entity that they all saw once upon a time, they decided that they were personally vindicated for their shit. And I think that's how we got the split in religion. Yeah. And, and there's this one, there, uh, there's another perspective on it too. There was this, there's this old culture or this old race or whatever you want to call it. They believe that this God, I'll call him Yahweh just for simplicity's sake. They believe that Yahweh is not God. They believe that he's an entity that, created all these different religions 
to feed off of the negative suffering that they cause. Because if you think about like Christianity and Judaism and Islam fighting each other, <laughs> it's, it's caused so much pain and suffering over the last 2000 or so years that it would make a lot of sense. So they look at this God or this entity as the, as the big bad versus the big good. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that, especially when you start studying all the religions together, you get all these different books and put them side by side at one table and it, it gets real obvious real fast. The, you know, the, the red versus blue idea that the other side is bad because they're not our side. And when you really put them all together, it does seem like the same system just repeated in slightly different fashion. I have heard that concept before of the alien that planted these seeds or the other creature that planted these seeds to feed off of the negative energy. And it wouldn't be very far-fetched at all. And if you look, as religion began to die, technology started to be released so that they could have people feed and bicker and argue off of the tech rather than just the belief. And I think we're seeing that right now with this new release of a lot of the technologies that they're putting out there. It's to give people another thing to focus on and to feed. And it's, you know, I wasn't there, not even in a past life, but I really would not doubt that in the least bit that one of these, um, whatever you would call them, Anunnaki or Draconian or whatnot creatures came here and set up a system kind of like you would when you went to a farm and set up a chicken coop to be able to easily harvest out what it was you wanted, which in that case might very well be some sort of um, dark need to eat this negative energy. That's why they try to fester so much negativity. Yeah, and if you are you familiar with Dolores Cannon's work at all? Have you ever looked at her stuff? Yes, um, I have. In her, in her book, The Convoluted Universe, she talks about a couple a couple of things that we've been kind of touching on. Firstly, she says that they're like the major seven religions fundamentally have the same principle. Like if you break all of it down and strip away all the extra layers and all this all the bullshit, all you're left with fundamentally is do unto others as you would do to yourself. That's what that's what they're fundamentally based off of. And then the second thing that she talks about is how thoughts are like real and and they're they're physical things. And they she says that they go on forever. And she's not just like for anybody listening who's not familiar with Dolores Cannon's work, she does she's not the one that is necessarily claiming this. She did thousands of hypnosis sessions where multiple people uh, corroborated this that didn't know about it uh, allegedly anyway and that's what they came up with is that these thought forms are like physical things so when you're putting out like let's just say all this negative self-talk when you're thinking to yourself or even saying out loud like man you know my life sucks or i'm so unlucky like why does this always happen to me what you're doing is you're creating your own reality, according to, De- according to Dolores. Exactly. Well, it's like what we were talking about earlier with the water, that although when you say a positive word to water, you don't see it, you know, with your eyes, you can see it under a microscope. Or when you say a negative word, the opposite concept. I believe it's the same thing with our thoughts, that, you know, it's probably on a scale that we don't have a machine to look at yet, but it's there somewhere. Somewhere in the energetic structure of things, just by our thoughts, by what we decide to think about something, we're beginning the change, just like planting a seed that then leads to the actual end result in the physical world. So I I could fully agree with that, that each and every thought we have is a very real thing and will come real somewhere. I mean, it might be that you were mad this morning, so you stubbed your toe. Or you were happy, so you found a $20 bill on the way to your car. And we're taught to not correlate these events. But I've learned that over the last, you know, half a decade of having to really watch how I get positive or negative with my existence. That, you know, if you look for those little details, you see the physical manifestations quite quickly of how you're thinking. And it's really interesting that you can kind of see that on a microscopic level too, not just with water. I, I heard of this experience or this experiment that I think it was like a, it was a junior high kid or a high school kid who did this experiment where they did that same kind of a concept with rice 
they put it in water and then they put it in the same room so that the temperature would be consistent. And they put um, these rice containers in like three different corners or so one rice container. They said like horrible things like, Oh, you're ugly. You're disgusting. I hate you. Things like that. The second one, they left alone completely didn't say anything to it. And then the third one, it was like, Oh, you're so beautiful. I love you. You're so delicious. You know, whatever, all these positive things. And then after, I think it was like a week or two weeks or something like that. They, t- they took this and looked at it under a microscope and they, or maybe not even a microscope. I, I can't remember. I'll have to see if I can find it and link it in the description. I think what you're first- talking about is like Cambridge or something, I believe. Right. And I, I think it was a physical change. If I remember that it was so, so the, and it, it was all controlled too. So there, it was, the temperature was consistent. They used the same, the water from the same source rice from the same source or the same bag. So all of it was consistent, And so when the one that they were speaking negatively to, it started to mold and rot. And then the middle one was just kind of like started to, you know, you know how, if you leave like rice, I don't know. Basically from the air. (laughs) Maybe, maybe I'm the only one that's like accidentally left rice out. (laughs) But then the third one, it started to like ferment, but like not when I'm thinking fermenting, they, they were speaking about fermenting in like a positive way, like turning into um, a I new guess, substance, like sake or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it's fermenting and, and it's not rotting. It's it's transforming. So exactly. it was a very pleasant aroma when they when they opened it up. And and so there was physical changes. But the, the one that they didn't speak to just kind of remained in the same state, if that makes sense. It does, it's really interesting. Observed state, like the state of nothing was bothering it, so it just kept itself waiting, like a product on a store shelf, waiting for whether it's purchased or thrown out or what. Yeah, and you know, I might actually try that and see if it's legit. If it's legit, I'll I'll, I'll keep everybody updated on it. So I, I have a. It might be a hard question. It might not. My next question is: I, the last guy I was talking to to about this kind of stuff he said this and i'll kind of quote him he said if i was in a car accident tomorrow i wouldn't want somebody to just come and do reiki on me i'd want to go to a goddamn hospital and then maybe have someone come do reiki on me afterwards what's your take on that i think that that in our current society is absolutely right i believe that there might be possibly somewhere deep in Asia or somewhere in the future in a thousand years, Reiki healers that have that magic ability to just hold their hand out and flesh regrows. I've seen some weird stuff. I wouldn't discredit that, but I don't believe anyone in a world like ours right now has hit that level of healing, especially your average Reiki practitioner you can get a hold of. Usually they have other things going on in their life. You're You know, even when they give you 100% attention, they have this other thing going on. So I I fully agree with that. A major wound, a major issue. You got in a car accident, your leg's backwards, something's torn open. You need to get to an actual flesh mechanic, someone who's going to be able to work with your body to do whatever they can. But even that only goes so far because once someone puts your leg back the right way and stitches your stomach up, at that point, you then have to heal yourself. They don't have a machine that forces you to heal. All they can do is help activate your own healing ability. So I think that's an absolutely fair way to look at it, that if you're in an accident and you have a major wound, you just got shot, something like that happens, you don't necessarily want someone just praying for you and not to do anything else, you'll bleed out. Because you know, unless your Reiki practitioner is also an EMT or something like that, then um, even then it has weird things. I have a somewhat odd medical background myself. And I, one of my mom's dogs was dying recently and she wanted me to come do something about it basically. And it, um, the dog was having an internal like organ failure to where it was losing a lot of blood and there, there was nothing I could do, you know, and she got quite irritated that I, I couldn't on either side. And they, you know, she even called the medics and they said, this isn't something we can fix. And, you know, I, I hate to think this way, but God knows if she would have just started with the medics maybe there would have been something more they could have done because in the first instance of a stressor to your body, there are certain quick response trauma procedures that certain medical professionals with access to this equipment can perform. And even someone with this training without access to the equipment isn't going to be much good to you. 
because they can sit there and look at you and go, you should do this, this, and this. I don't have any of that on. And that, that's why I really do believe in that view of um, the quick response medical for trauma first. And then, of course, the Reiki, then, of course, the healing, the other practitioners, the sage, everything else. But I, I sadly learned firsthand with that, you know, and I, it's something I already knew I wasn't expecting to be called into this situation. But, um, you know, it, it was a very real 3D thing that I could use moving forward as a example that, you know, when someone or something is bleeding out, the Reiki is not the first answer. Second, fine, have the person come with you to the hospital. But definitely go seek some sort of treatment first or in parts of the world where there is no hospital at the moment, look for someone who is skilled in the being a flesh mechanic. I've seen even some of the most third world parts of the uh, planet, you know, the local blacksmith knows how to stitch stuff shut. There'll be someone around who knows how to help fix that start there and then backtrack to the activating your energy, activating your healing ability. Yeah, it kind of comes back to the whole thing of like we're a spiritual being having a physical experience, right? So right. because of because we're in this physical space, you need to have that physical attention first. I talked to some You've got to respect it, your physical form. Yeah. 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 I, I've talked to some Reiki healers that are like, no, 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 you need to go Reiki, you need to go energy healing first. And I'm like, no, that doesn't really make sense. Cause if you're like bleeding out, it's, exactly. It's not... <laughs> That's where, you know, I, I'm not going to discredit those people's ability. Um, God knows I, I haven't come across anyone that made that claim, but it's possible. You know, I've seen weird stuff. Maybe, maybe they could, but, uh, you know, for me and for what I've seen and other practitioners I've seen, I would always recommend for trauma, you know, the, the actual doctor, flesh mechanic, whatever you need in your yeah. area first. And and then, of course, the Reiki, because like I said, when a doctor stitched you back together, they're not going to heal you. They have patients all the time that die from staph infection and malhealed wounds. So, you know, the Reiki is absolutely important. And I think that's where practitioners just don't see that. They might have never been in that kind of thing. They've never been at war. They've never seen, you know, this or that bleeding out or dying. They're not quite sure what that would mean. And so in their practice, they would feel it would be more important to balance your healing ability first. And it, it may be even both at once, but I, I would never leave out the actual medical side of it with more serious injury. Yeah. I mean, well, they're these people like doctors, they go to school for like eight to 10 years learning how to how to be a body mechanic. Like you're saying, if we want to use the car example, if you if you got in a car accident, and your engine stopped working properly, you're not going to go get your car detailed. You know what I mean? Right. It's kind of, kind of the same thing. You're not going to go detail your car. You're going to go get your engine fixed. And then it's go just, from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a very practical person. I feel like, you know, if, if you, if your body is hurt, you need to go get your body taken care of. And then, like you said, go get the, the back end or the, then you can detail on the inside. <laughs> Especially with some of the more serious stuff, that, that's for sure. I mean, I guess it would be different if, you know, you got a sprain or something. I know from a Reiki practitioner standpoint, I, I think kind of like a lot of practitioners do, that no matter what it is, do the Reiki first and then go. But that's because if one of my kids falls off the playground and dislocates their arm, I'm doing Reiki for them while I take them to the hospital. So I, I think that's where as a Reiki practitioner, you have a hard time with that view because you're like, well, of course do it first, but that's because you're there. And so if someone gets hurt somewhere to go out and contact a practitioner, it, it's a whole nother ballpark. But I think it's one of the places where as a practitioner, it gets hard to draw that line because you automatically start doing Reiki and energy work anytime yourself or anyone else in your life gets injured. Yeah, and in this conversation is in for any Reiki, Reiki, whatever you want to call it, however you want to pronounce it. This conversation is in no way meant to to sh on your practice. You know what I mean? Um, we're just, we're just talking. Well, yeah, and I, I, I'm I, just I, a guy. My side is <laughs> practitioners different. Like I mentioned, uh, I don't have those kind of metaphysical powers, but I'm not opposed to one day learning it. So. I mean, who knows if someone has the ability to instantaneously heal wounds and they're thinking, oh, no, you should. I, 
uh, feel free to reach out. I, you know, I at Holy Lancer AK, and you can tell me, hey, you know, I this is how you magically instantly heal a wound, and I'd legitimately be welcome to learn that practice. So, oh yeah, it would be amazing. That that would literally be like the a next game changer step. for our species. Yeah, yeah exactly. Elevate the entire medical practice if people had the ability to just snap their fingers and create healing. So I'm hoping we learn that soon with so many of us practicing energy work. Ideally, at some point, uh, one of the multi-generational energy healers just figures this out. Yeah. And, and like for anybody listening, don't get me wrong. Like I'm about it, right? Like I'm about the whole Reiki thing. I'm just playing. I like to play devil's advocate a little bit and kind of push people's buttons to see what well, they like say. Well, doing both sides. So, you know, after this, um, I don't know, find an evangelicalist who believes that it's not good at all and try to talk to them about what their view on it is and why they really believe it's the devil's work. I mean, who knows? Oh, yeah, I've already got that lined up, buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go, Lisa, you're already two steps ahead on that one. That, you know, if you can get these conflicting points, then maybe eventually everyone can see why we all feel the way we do and just get along. Right. And, and like I, like I was saying, I'm about it. Like I, I practice chakra breathing myself. I have assisted people in, in kind of like um, charging their chakra blocks and removing those. I've taken people through past lives. I've, I've taken people through what I call spirit rescue. Um, I've, I have, I've, I've, <laughs> there's nothing that surprises me in this stuff anymore. I started out trying to prove it. I moved away from that because you, you can't you really, you can't, you can't, but, it's one of the things you see or you don't because the part of your brain that you're using to see it, if you're not seeing it, you don't. And it just seems kind of like a joke. I think to people who, yeah, it's not there, but that goes to speak to our society and how numb they've made our neural pathways with the way we live and what we ingest. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's people, people just are like, you know, they're, they're either going to be, like all in, or they're going to be like, dude, you're out of your mind. I've you're, had you're looking for something things. that's not there. Where people are just starting to learn about it. So they're like, hey, you know, I, I'd like to believe in this, but it kind of seems like bullshit. Could you help me out? Yeah, people that are kind of in the middle. Yeah, they're, they're coming over to this side. They realize that the old way of living that we've been taught was the, you know, new way of living wasn't helping. And so they're trying to figure it out. But I mean, I won't lie. I'm still trying to figure out where I'm at with my journey towards self-healing and the metaphysical healing and all of this. It's a hard thing to learn because each person's path is individual. It, it makes it very hard to find a template because there really isn't one. And, 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 you know, it's weird, especially a, a lot of us in the West are coming from like Christian background. And that's like, it, it's, I don't want to like, I do want to, but I don't want to like shit on like, Christianity. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't. Okay, I want to shit on Christianity, but I don't want to. I don't want to like attack Christian people because it's not their fault. Well, yeah, like I was raised Catholic, so you know I, I get that a lot. It's it's just, Catholicism is just kind of like a hardcore metal of Christian rock. Basically, they just they take everything and make it a little more extreme. Instead of feeling bad, you're you're supposed to really beat yourself. So it's about the same concept, though, especially with a lot of the way they view things and the way they make you believe in things and that anything outside of the church is the devil's work, so don't you dare. But like you said, to not hate on the Christian people, though. Most Christians themselves are amazing people who follow it because they want to help and they want to show love and they thought that was the way. And if that's what people need in their life, then I'm, I'm all for it. Like if you feel like you need religion in your, in your life, then go for it. I'm not going to be like, dude, man, you're an idiot. You're an idiot for, for going to a religion. I, I would never say that to anybody. Maybe when I first left the Mormon church, I would have, cause I was pretty bitter and angry. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard that's a hard one. That's a little more extreme. I've had Mormon friends over the years, both that were still part of the church and that had left it. And, you know, been disowned for leaving it and so I, i've seen the viewpoints when people are in it it's like a hardcore obsession and then when they're out it just seems like something that most people don't ever want to talk about again so yeah it's, it's <laughs> true well 
you, you get the people who, who are very militant about it. And most people I think kind of are when they leave and then they kind of shift, probably not as extreme as me, but they kind of shift out of like, you know what? And, and for me, it, it goes back to the energy. I had this thought one day, I don't know where it came from. Actually, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure my spirit guy just kind of slipped it in there, but I used to flip off, like give the bird to Mormon churches every time I drove by. <laughs> and, and then one day I was just like, why? Like, why, why am I doing this? And I thought like, you know, I'm giving this, this thing that I don't believe in anymore. So much energy, so much power. And then I stopped flipping it off every time and I drove by and my, my life like significantly improved. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt that. I, I was real resentful towards, you know, my old church for quite a while and I've got past it. So I, I, I definitely get that. I think being raised in it gives you a whole different perspective. Some people who aren't raised in religion want one later because they want structure. When it was something you were brought up with, you already got past that part, I believe. <laughs> yeah, and we kind of live in a world of extremes where, like, if you're in one extreme, you're going to go to the other extreme immediately. So, like, if you were raised religious and you find out it's kind of a sham like I did, and then you you immediately jump to the other extreme where you don't need spirituality at all. It's all bullshit. I don't need this. It's it's all wishful thinking and F everything. <laughs> and what my next question would be for you, Richard, is if you if you have any like cool stories about about Reiki, because we've had a really good discussion on it. But I would like to hear if you have any like cool experiences where people have been like, you know, this really helped me when nothing else really has. I, I would love to hear about that. Um, you know, I've had it happen a few times, definitely in my personal life. I know, um, I had a friend of mine who is another, she's a Reiki practitioner and a massage therapist here in town. Her business is closed since, you know, the pandemic and everything else, insurance rates, but she still practices personally. And, um, she had an animal of hers that was passing that on her farm and had me, you know, go do Reiki for it. The animal definitely seemed to get a lot calmer, be a lot more mellow and able to relax. And sadly, the animal still passed, but it did seem, um, you know, to help it and to help alleviate it. And that's something I've noticed a few times with the Reiki's. It's not always going to necessarily cure everything right away, but it definitely does help. But as we talked about earlier, you, you have to be receptive to it. Yeah, it goes back to that placebo effect. If you if you truly believe that it's not going to help you, it's not going to help you. Pretty much. And that's the, that's the same kind of a thing with um with my practice where I do hypnosis for people. If people believe I cannot be hypnotized, then you're not going to get hypnotized. You know. <laughs> yeah, especially with the hypnotism, that makes it a lot harder. It's something I worked with. Yeah, I get you. It's it's hard. It's it's a different animal altogether because you're and i've had this conversation a lot of times you're, you're messing with people's heads if you don't do it right and that's why it's so strictly regulated yeah definitely well anyway man do you have a website or a blog or anything that you that you want to plug on my show um no not necessarily i you know the holy lands reiki it, it got mentioned that's enough for me it's just nothing i obviously do i don't have any kind of actual or anything like that right now all that shut down so i don't have any particular place to say oh you know go here okay that's fine um do you have a message for my audience that you'd like to leave sorry to put you on the spot about that um i guess uh the last thing like a message i'd like to leave is just you know a lot of things are getting revealed in our world so it seems dark but it things truly are getting better every day it's just takes being open to the fact that a lot of what we were taught about how we were supposed to live was wrong that we're all healing it's just a hard process from here well thanks so much for coming on to my show richard we had a really great conversation and i really appreciate you sharing your time with me of course thank you for having me it was a nice chat and it's interesting and definitely in a good way to see more people being more open about things like this
That's it for today's episode. I'd like to thank Richard for coming on to the show, and I'd also like to thank you for tuning in. Head on over to my Facebook or my Twitter for some additional content. Links to those can be found in the description. If you like the show, I'd appreciate you subscribing in your podcast player and sharing the show around with anyone you think might be interested, or even someone who you think would be interested in coming on to the show. If you're interested in coming onto the podcast and talking with me about your experiences, send me an email. My email is theregressionsession at gmail.com, and I would love to have you on the show. Can you see beyond your mind? Can you shed light on the treasure that you are? Can you be at ease for a moment? Can you feel the peace and zoning? Everything that you Start